Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hello! <laughs> that was very upbeat for a Monday morning. How are you? I'm actually really good. Well, for, for us here in England, it's half term. So, yes, but obviously, you know, all the keynotes in Scotland, I think the kids are going back to school Tuesday. Um, right, so we're yeah. just at the start. We're just at the start of it. Obviously, the private schools have had an extra week off. But I'm feeling for a Monday morning, start of half term, <laughs> I'm actually feeling quite sprightly. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I had like, uh, if you saw my stories over the weekend, oh I basically God, I spent 12 hours in the loft on Saturday. And that is no like exaggeration. It was 12 hours because wow. we got up at 7.30 so that we could get a few hours in before James went to football. Right. And then I think it was 7.30 that night. James's parents turned up and I said I have I've been up there for for 12 hours like I I didn't come down I cleared the whole loft out most of it by myself because James left at like 11 (laughs) and oh my god I I'm not I I can't walk today because I spent because I spent 12 hours like hunched over squatting (laughs) yeah I'm in so much pain. But anyway, it was good. Like Sunday, we we had we hired a van and we actually had quite a laugh. James like took on an alter ego of like uh, a sort of a, a white van driver. White van man, yeah. Come yeah. on, darling, get in. Yeah, yeah. And it, we, were, we were having a laugh and we were like, where can we pull up? Where can we, like, we pull it up outside and get out and... Yeah, we 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 had we did have fun. Oh, this sounds good. So Team Dayton was on good form. No yeah, no, I, no, we are good when the kids are on the run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you when when yeah. it's the two of us, we have such a laugh. But anyway, we actually got everything into the storage unit, like nice and quick, came home, went out for dinner. It was, yeah, really nice. Well, not a nice weekend, but it, we made Part the best elements of it. of it were. Well we done. Made and you the know what they be- say yeah, about a detox? Who is that? Is that um, lady on Netflix? Is her name like Maria? condo or something and she goes yes. does this bring you joy and you go you have to go oh and if, if you don't say yeah it brings me joy she chucks it away did you do any did you just did you do any detoxing or did you just take it to the storage unit i did i i have got together 15 black sacks of clothes oh, well done i know but i don't feel like it's even made a dent to be to be honest like the stuff that was up there like i don't know i don't even know how it's happened because we've moved so many times mm. so like I, I don't know why i haven't got rid of like so much of this stuff but anyway i'm going to take it all to a women's refuge um this morning 
um and then I like toys and stuff I'm going to take to like the, tr- the local oh, well done shops. George so that's good but a lot of it is still in <laughs> still in storage it's amazing how much junk we take with us oh especially clothes you know there'll be clothes no. in there from like 1999 and you're like oh, oh well, I'll probably wear this like mesh crop top one day and you're like absolutely not get rid of it some of I the know. stuff that I had last time when um Gemma and Hayley from Organised came around it was it was smelling like the loft and it had moth holes in it and I was still determined to hang on to it I was like well, this is my denim jacket from when I was 16 and they were like you're not going to wear it again get rid of it I know it's weird it's like um, I don't know it's, it's like an attachment thing totally isn't it? like there were totally. so many things I was like oh no I loved those trousers like yeah. oh my god I did this we went there and I'm like why am I holding on to a pair of trousers I've yeah. got photos that's, that's enough that's enough you've got the memories anyway. the good times <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and so what you, did you have a lovely weekend with your mum Oh my gosh, my mum has been absolutely brilliant. Listen, I mean, I'm going to make, uh, well, I, I guess I haven't hidden it from anybody that mine and my mum's relationship has been definitely tricky since my dad died. So kind of for the last 10 years, it's been quite up and down. And, um, you know, there's been elements that we've had to work out and stuff. But I think my sister just got a hold of me before my mum arrived. And she said, look, you've got to stop beating her up. You can't keep, you can't keep barking at her and you can't keep having a pop at her and I you know held my hands up and there's a lot of stuff there you know I think the mother-daughter relationship is so intrinsically painful sometimes and Mm -hmm. um, I just gave her a break this time and she gave me a break and the language between us was so lovely you know we were really caring and looking after each other and she was really helpful around the house and was doing the washing and looking after the kids and just you know just like the stuff that I've missed so much since they since they've been living in Kenya I mean I mean, they've been living in Kenya since I was 20, but since I had my kids, you know, they've not really been around. So yeah. it's, it's been really lovely. And actually, I really miss her. Like she she went off down to the West Country to see her sister and her niece. So she's gone for a bit, but she'd be back on Halloween. And I've got a final week with her before she heads back to Aww. Africa. So yeah, it's been really lovely. And actually, Mike Dozer said to me last night, he said, well done, because I know it's not easy sometimes, but yeah. um, you kind of... You were a bit. You were a bit of a. Gr- I was a grown up. You were a grown up. I was a grown up about <laughs> it. <laughs> so yeah, all good in my world. Um, and I'm really, really excited about this chat, actually, George, because we we recorded it a couple of weeks ago. But obviously, October um, is Black History Month, and we really wanted to have a conversation um, around race and yeah. around how you talk to your children about race, and I guess really kind of having an insight into what it was like to grow up in Britain as a black person. And um, we've got an amazing couple on the podcast today who are writing articles left, right and centre, being a real kind of powerhouse couple in this area to kind of talk to us about it. And it was just fascinating, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. And I think we've been quite open. Sometimes we find these chats quite difficult because we don't want to get it wrong. So if there is anything that, you know, you find in the chat that we you feel like is wrong then absolutely pull us up on it like we're we're all you know we're 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 open to learning and we're we're just trying to do our best um yeah we we were really grateful to our guests actually because you know we said that you know we said that to them before the chat please do let us know if we don't get it right you know we want to learn we want to do better um and so that's you know that's what this podcast is all about but I think with this conversation you know um Claire is is white and she's married to Ogo who's black he's from Nigeria um brought up in England and Nigeria and and actually she said on the podcast that she's learning every single day about you know the the language to use and you know uh, 
all around like Black History Month as a whole. You know, I, yeah. I remember history being my favorite subject at school, but you know, before the slave trade, I knew nothing about yeah. black history. It wasn't Same. taught. And yeah. imagine being a black person and feeling like they don't have their heritage and their history educated. Like we, we don't know anything about it. It's no, just absolutely. not, it's just, this is why this month is so important. Um, in fact, we should have Black History Month every month, in my opinion. Uh, who are we chatting to today? Today, we are chatting to Ogo and Claire from Aqua Baby. So we are super excited to be chatting to these two amazing people on the podcast today. In October, Black History Month, we wanted to get two people on who could really give us an insight into, um, I guess, the whole month and what it's all about, what the celebration is. Uh, Married couple, Claire and Ogo, founders of Aqua Baby. Um, Ogo is going to tell us his amazing story about being brought up in Nigeria. There's so many questions that I want to ask. Parents to two, pregnant with their third. Are they mad? I understand (laughs) that. Let's welcome Claire and Ogo to the podcast. Hello. How long have you got? Yeah, yeah, four weeks left until the third one gets here. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm slightly ginormous, hoping I don't need a loo break in between, but anyway. (laughs) That's fine if you you do. Yeah, you do well. I guess just let's just start off by talking about, we'll get straight into it, talking about Black History Month and why this month is so important and the celebration behind it. Recently, quite frankly, I wasn't actually aware of Black History Month until about four or five years ago. I don't know when it actually started or when it became a lot more popular. It's weird for me on one hand, because obviously being black, you know, sort of every day is black history for me. And um, growing up, we've recently written a couple of articles which were quite helpful for me because they've made me think about how I grew up and think about sort of the mindset as I was growing up. And what I've realised is when I was growing up as a... So I was born in the UK. I lived here until I was six. So, you know, being over here, I found myself not having a clear identity as to who I was. My mother was very clear that we were Nigerian and we were Ibo. um, But that was strange because everything around me didn't necessarily reflect that to me. And um, I think more recently... Well, when I when I got older, I started wanting to investigate and understand a, a lot about, you know, sort of who I am, my blackness, if you want. And um, I think I didn't have any formal education about it. And I think that might have been quite tricky for me because, you know, young children are often finding it difficult to find their place in, in, in the world anyway. Mm. And then when you've got this thing that you've never really even discussed, I think that can make it even more difficult. So I think now for a lot of young black people and really people full stop, having this month dedicated to learning a bit more about black history, I think is you know, a, a, a massive step in the right direction. Um, that being said, not that I want to denigrate this in any way, shape or form, but I love history full stop. And yeah. I think really we should get to a point of just teaching history. History, and, yeah. You know, history, because if we teach history full stop at least in the UK if we're teaching British history then we should touch upon all parts of British history which include you know sort of colonialism which include you know sort of we were in India for 200 years I don't remember learning about any of that when I was at school you know and um, and, you know I, I don't think we need to shy away from maybe the subjects that are a little bit more touchy because everyone's history if I looked at Nigeria's history we've got some really, really positive stories to talk about. We've got some stories that most people are not so proud of. So really, 
ultimately, I would love to get to a point where we're just talking about history full stop. But in the meantime, you know, I'm more than happy to settle for a a, a month dedicated to black history. Yeah. And is it so... Is this talk, is this sort of celebrated in schools, do you know, at the moment? I mean, my dad's a headmaster and I, I know that they, they do sort of celebrate it in his school and no. I, he's always sort of talked about it. But I didn't know if it was, you know, certain schools, is it up to the school or is it part of the curriculum? As far as we're aware, it's rolled out across schools. Yeah. Hope that it's rolled out across all schools. Yeah. Because no, I because I was just thinking about that. And um my 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 dad's a headmaster in Camberwell. It's a multicultural school, it's lots of different languages spoken, and so they they do cover a lot of different like history, talk about a lot of different cultures. But my son is at school in Brentwood in Essex, and I haven't heard that they're te- you know, that they're celebrating yeah. Black History Month. I, I literally haven't, and it, it just sprung to mind then. I suddenly thought, well, I know about it, but actually is Axel being taught because I don't I don't I don't know he yeah. hasn't mentioned it I, I don't you, know if same. he is yeah I don't know either and it's it's, yeah. it's, it's it's worrying that we don't know I feel like it should have been an email there's been hundreds of emails going out why hasn't there been an email about that yeah, yeah. and that's why I just wondered yeah. if it is part of the curriculum or if it's up to the individual school um I shall ask the question in Campbell it's really good to hear that your father's uh, school that they're teaching that because I know Campbell you know a very very diverse area so um Again, I think it helps give the people there a sense of relevance because, you know, when you're sitting there learning about 1066, which is important parts of British history, you know, King Henry and all of that sort of stuff, that's extremely important. But you do sort of sit there thinking, how's this relevant to me? You know, Mm -hmm. and rarely are we saying that before 1950 that there was nothing, no contribution of us over here which is you know quite disempowering for people and um, one of the main things that we're all about and I'm sure you guys are about as parents are we're really really wanting to raise a more empowered confident generation Mm -hmm. and I think it's it's a shame if a proportion of that generation I I think you know sort of uh, ethnic minorities in in this country are about six percent I think don't quote Mm -hmm. me on that please um, so it would be quite a shame if those people don't feel a sense of belonging and empowerment. Um, yeah. Well, I think the statistic of ethnic minorities within the schooling system is about 37% at the moment. Right. Wow. Okay. We're, we're obviously talking about history here. And I, I think it's, you, I, I think your story is really interesting. And I would love to hear, you said you were born in the UK and then at six, did you go back to Nigeria at that point? And you also touched yeah. on your tribe as well. And I know that you are Ibu, but you've got a Yoruba I mean, there's so many tribes in Nigeria. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I was brought up in and out of, of Kenya. My mum still lives there. So I kind of know well, a little bit about, about tribalism. But how important was that side of your life? And what was it like going back to Nigeria at, at six? So as I said, I was born over here. Um, my father died when I was young. I was about 18 months when he died. Apparently, I went to Nigeria then, but obviously I don't remember anything about yeah. that. Anyway, um, at five we went on holiday to Nigeria uh it was a holiday which my oldest brother never returned from because um he ended up going to boarding school over there etc and then the next year the rest of my family we all moved there permanently so at six I moved to Nigeria to live there uh on a permanent basis it was a huge culture shock for me I mean everything is different and I'm sure you know sort of you've seen a difference of you know be going over to Kenya but yeah. I would dare say my mother god bless her um she grew up in Nigeria and she grew up under very very different circumstances to me 
So I don't think she really fully appreciated that her children were now culturally at least British. And she brought us over to Nigeria to, if you want, a Nigerian middle class, but we don't really have a middle class yes. in Nigeria yes. either, you know. And um, it was very difficult. So we were going to, you know, education, for instance, corporal punishment. I've never been beaten in my life, you know, so corporal punishment. Um, and just understanding people's way of thinking, you know, from the way they talk, even the accents, etc. Everything was really different. But it was also really interesting to now be in a country where previously maybe I had wanted to look like a lot of the kids in my classmates, a lot of my classmates. Now I was in a school that was, you know, 100% black. And suddenly maybe there was a sense of feeling a little bit of belonging over there. But whilst I was feeling that, you know what kids can be like, they were very clear in making sure that I realised that I'm not one of them because I spoke differently, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So, you know, it, it was it was quite a a, 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 um, a culture shock, to say the least. Um, but it's one that I'm very, very grateful for because living in Nigeria, I learned so much more about myself. I learned about my, my family, my ancestry. As I say, we have, whereas maybe in the West, you might have things like racism as being a thing, in Nigeria, we have tribalism, mm. you know, being a thing. Mm. So I'm Ibo, as you mentioned. You know, if you're, you know, you've got Yoruba, you've got Hausa, those main tribes, but there are over 300 different tribes. So, you know, um, things are looked at more from a tribal point of view, from a religious point of view. You've got generally Christian and, uh, and Muslim, mm. you know. Um, so coming from England, where there were so many different religions, so many different races, so many different whatever we, and we generally seem to um to you know sort of mix quite well you know it was weird coming over over there where I found those differences that being said I will point out I didn't live in the major city and I would imagine living in a major city would be just like London it becomes much more of a melting pot yeah, yeah. and then and then so you're 13 is that right and then yeah. you up sticks and come back to UK? Yes, indeed. Yeah, coming back to England at 13, I'd not come back to England on holiday at all. And nice. so I'd spent a lot of my formative years living wow. in Nigeria and suddenly I'm back in England. And frankly, it was just as alien coming back here as it was for me to go to Nigeria in the first place. Um, it was, everything was strange, you know. So now coming, going to school, having all these different, people, religions, people's way of thinking, even the positive things. I went to school, we didn't have computers at my school in Nigeria, and, you know, going to school and suddenly having these computers and like, you know, it was a bit overwhelming on one hand. Yeah. Um, I found, you know, sort of the discipline, you know, discipline different, you know, sort of being in an inner city school with kids swearing at teachers, I nearly had a heart attack the first time that happened because I thought, <laughs> this guy's certainly going to get murdered right now. <laughs> and nothing wow. happened to him. I thought, wow, <laughs> you, know, you can get away with that here? <laughs> what? Yeah. It was, yeah. So it was, it was a big culture shock just coming back here, just almost as much as it was going there in the first place, really. Yeah. And, and, and how did you feel going through, you said that your history was your favourite favorite subject and yeah. then I guess at that point because I remember it you know I was at school uh, in the countryside down in Kent um 
there were no black children at my school. In fact, I remember when the first uh, black kid arrived, like for me, it was slightly different to everybody else because I'd obviously spent my childhood years in Kenya. So I kind of was used to seeing different faces, but there just weren't, there just wasn't a black community where we lived. And I remember it vividly. My friends were just like, wow. Yes, he's he's back, and you know that was that was an actual thing. But we're growing up in the nineties, in the middle of nowhere, so it oh. was kind of you know the norm at that time. Um, yeah. I guess for you, and the same for us, we weren't taught about Black history. Nothing before no. the slave trade, nothing at all. Mm. Um, and so I, I guess for you know for a person of color living in inner city London, maybe you expected more, or was it just a feeling of why? Why not? At the time, I don't know if I actually had any expectations, you know, sort of, I, I just took the world as it was presented to me and, yeah. you know, sort of, this is the way the world is. And um, in my, you know, sort of childish head, that was the way it was and that was fine. I think it's more now that I look and reflect back on my life. Yeah. I, I, I see how things like that might have made me feel and how a lot of, the, you know, a, a lot of things actually work with you on a subcon- subconscious basis. So, Never really, for instance, I was in uh, the army cadets um, when I was a kid and I loved army cadets. It was really brilliant for me. But when we're talking about army history, it's always, you know, World War One, World War Two, and, you know, sort of all my friends talking about their grandfathers or whatever, you know, being part of the war. And I just didn't see how this was relevant to me. I, as far as I was aware, my family weren't doing anything with regards to the war, etc. And, you know, you just wonder what what your place is with, with yeah. certain things, mm-hmm. you know. And what impact do you think that had on you kind of long term? Not, I guess, not being represented in the classroom, yeah. in, in the history, you know, your favourite subject, not seeing yeah. you sort of and your ancestors. What, how, yeah. what impact do you think that had on you? I suppose somewhere deep down, I would wonder that maybe, you know, you're not really that relevant you know, you're not really that relevant and you've not got that much of an impact, or, you know, on the world. And um, I think that's a quite a, a dispowering thing for someone to grow up uh, feeling or thinking. It took me later on as I got older, looking into things and studying, because I sort of thought to myself, surely we can't, you can't be telling me that, you know, black history began and ended with slave trade, really. Surely there yeah. were things happening before colonial colonialization and you know before anything else and um it took me you know sort of time to go read books and speak to elders and try and find out myself and find out the things that I could now be proud of as well as things that are you know maybe I I would on one hand prefer to um, turn a blind eye to but um, I think all of these things are things that make people. Yeah, yeah. completely. And, and let's bring Claire into the conversation um, because I know that, you know, you and I have had a chat before this podcast. So I feel I have a bit of an insight into kind of your views on this. But as a, as a white woman who is married to a black man, I asked you the question before, you know, have you ever experienced any form of, I guess, um, racism in the relationship, any sort of comments. And I'd love to kind of get your view on that because you're also on this journey and learning like we all are. And I think a lot of white people would 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 want to have these conversations more, but there is an element of fear about getting yeah. it wrong. There's definitely an element of fear of getting it wrong and also an element of how does this really kind of affect me? You know, I live in a, a white area. I don't know any black people kind of, you know, just about keeping your head down as it were really. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of receiving any racism directly, no, I wouldn't say that I have. I mean, when my 
daughter was young and I was taking her to child groups and all the rest of it, I'd get asked a lot, you know, if I was the nanny. <laughs> oh <my laughs> sort of think that and and um a lot of mums would always come up to her and this happened all the time and just say oh my god I love her hair and there'd be a lot of touching her hair I really love her hair and I think well there's more to her than just her hair and also there's almost like an overcompensation maybe as well yeah you know, yeah kind of singling her out there's lots of cute babies in the room but kind of making a beeline for her yeah um I mean I have you know, I hear things, you, you know, from white friends like, is racism still a thing? There's not really much racism out there anymore. Or, um, you know, by the time she's our age, there won't be any more racism in the world. And I feel like that's slightly ignorant because it's not really for us to kind of say or Stay judge down. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why would racism affect us? Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, if you're white and living in a white area, yet you probably haven't had any experience with racism. Mm. but mm. it definitely does still exist um, yeah and it is very much still affecting lives of ethnic minorities and I think that's you know one thing that we very strongly feel is that all children should be raised in a world where they feel they are valued and that's not happening yet so there's still work to be done we'll be right back after this short break If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? It's really interesting what you said, Claire, about, you know, we don't see racism among sort of our peers and our friendship groups. And it can be very easy as a white person to say, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I don't think in 10 years time, there's literally going to be no racism. And, you know, no one I know is, is racist. But I listened to a podcast the other day and um, the lady on there said, it's not as a white person, you wouldn't necessarily see it because it's little things that happen every single day, small things. And she gave the example of Oprah going into a shop to buy a handbag and someone saying to her, but you could never afford this. It's all of these small things, like just tiny, and they build up, obviously. And 
and and you know and then you think you you think back and you do you not you don't put yourself in that position but you re- you start to realize what some you know a black person might go through those small daily. things daily mm. that mm. we wouldn't notice and we'd be ignorant to say oh well there's no racism in my community but there is and yeah, it's interesting George. Yeah, yeah and and i guess it's just something that i hadn't really considered before and i wonder how we get to a place where those small things don't happen surely it is education um and it has to start in schools and it has to start with our children i, I think george and i talk about this quite a lot that when the black lives matters movement took place george and i were having conversations and saying but we we're not re- like we're not racist we, we we would never say anything like that ever, ever, ever. And it was more a conversation around people saying to us, but that's not the point. You can sit there and stay silent and say, well, look, there's no racism in my group of friends. And, you know, we don't have anything like that going on. And we wouldn't, but we as white people have to stand out and stand behind and get on board and make loud noises because that's not the point. If everybody that wasn't racist said, well, I'm not going to say anything because I'm not racist. That it, nothing, no change happens. Would you? Yeah. Would you agree, Claire? Wholeheartedly agree with all of your comments there. Definitely, and you know, even Black Lives Matter and what happened in the states. Again, a, a, a kind of common response would be, "Oh, that that happened in America. It's not the same mm. here." Or, uh, but even the fact that it impact it impacted me really deeply. Yeah. That was a, that was a turning point for me too. And I already had two children by then you know, two mixed heritage children by then. Um, I think it's also things like, you know, obviously recently, um, poor old Eamon Holmes had that comment that he made to Dr. Zoe. With Zoe, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's things like that. So obviously I saw some of the follow-up from um, the, the comments on Twitter and, you know, when you see it on the internet and you see comments that really reinforce that there's still very much a kind of massive misunderstanding from white people about why that comment was inappropriate. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's just taking the time to understand why black people were offended, not just black people, why people were offended by what he said, why it was important for us to not make comments like that and how it might have affected how it might have affected you know children going to school that day or yeah yeah, yeah completely yeah I completely agree with you and you know you you talking about your mixed heritage children and um uh, we we had you know a, a situation the other day where somebody brought three barbies into the house because we get a lot of comments like this a lot of questions on made by mamas about yeah. you know should we be reading um you know should we be bringing different different books into the house that represent different nations, different cultures, different races. And we don't really know what the answer is. And George and I have made a cons- like a considered kind yeah. of, you know, effort to, to just bring different colours into the house. Absolutely. And the other day, somebody gave Luna three Barbies. And actually, it's from her mixed heritage friend, um, Effie. One was curvy Barbie, one was white Barbie, and one was black Barbie. I'd never seen a black Barbie with an afro before, never. And it was like, yes, like, of course, brilliant. But it was my eldest daughter, who's my stepdaughter, was kind of looking at her going, I could see her face. And she was like, I've never seen a black Barbie before. You know, it was quite like a a moment. But the representation of, 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 of black toys in the shops, 
it's not there. No, it's not. You have to hunt it out. You actually really do have to hunt it out because after this, was it March last year, the Black Lives Matter movement, and Zoe and I were having lots of conversations on on the podcast and you know but among ourselves about what what can we do like at home like the small little small mm. changes um and I thought right well Gigi's birthday's coming up she's gonna be one like I'm gonna get her a little baby and I bought her um like a little a little black baby it's really really small like so she'll be able to hold it and it was actually really hard to find <laughs> like I didn't think it was gonna be but it was but and, and also and it was really it's, it's awful it's actually awful to say this but when I bought that for her and say she's pushing it along in a pram I do people do look and they think why have you done that yeah. do you know like they do and, and I notice oh it oh my god <laughs> they do they do they really really do and I think oh like have I, have I, you know you start to question yourself and you think oh am I making am I making too much of a thing of this like what, what, am what, I, what do you am guys think wrong no I think you are doing the right thing I think it's important if there isn't much representation in your household or in the friendship group and all the rest of it, just having, um, you know, introducing your children to the fact that there are people with different skin color, different hair types. Um, there are different cultural backgrounds, etc. I mean, it's just going to make them more worldly wise and more accepting rather than, you know, children will form their own opinions otherwise. Yeah. And that's not always going to be a positive. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it sadly it is it isn't easy to just find dark skin dolls in toy shops and there are plenty of moments on my journey of motherhood so far where I felt really saddened you know just from some of the stuff she likes to watch we were obviously living in London at the moment while talking about where we wanted to move to it was a massive part of our consideration you know with that we had to move somewhere that we felt there would be representation for them. Yeah. Well, there's not, you know, I, I don't want my child to be the only black kid in the class. Yeah, and I think, as I pointed out earlier, I think children growing up, it, it can be quite a tricky thing anyway. You're trying to find yourself, you're trying to find your own identity, et cetera. And children can be mean, not necessarily even wanting to be mean, but they can be mean. And I would look for any reason to, you know, sort of kids will look for any reason to bully the other kids. You know, and if you've got a perfect reason there from their point of view, I don't want to, get, you know, do that. Um, and with regards to this whole thing that we've just discussed, I, I also want to point out that I feel there is definitely a lot more work to be done on, on racism, et cetera. And however, I think we need to also sometimes stop and have a look at where we are and where we've got to. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I was a kid, um, in, I was born in 1980, um, so going up in the 80s and 90s, I think representation on TV was very minimal. When there was representation, I think often, it, other than entertainers um, and sports people, it wasn't necessarily always the most positive um, representation, etc. And I think you, you know, forward the clock to now, 2021, it is completely changed. You know, so we we watch a lot of feed BBs. Um, yeah, yeah. We had Yolanda we on. Do. We had Yolanda on the podcast <laughs> from Yolanda's. Um, was it Ban Banjan? Ban yeah, yeah, we wow. love her. She was yeah. brilliant. Oh, she's really cool. I met her at the festival actually. Right. Um, yeah, and I think there's so much more representation and so much positive representation. Now, that's not me saying that all the work's done and you know everything's sorted. But I feel for my daughter growing up now, 
she can look at, you know, people like Yolanda on TV. She, you know, there, there are so many positive examples of, of, of you know, sort of uh, ethnic minorities doing things out there. You know, there are so many more books. There are, you know, you say it's difficult to find a black Barbie. I would have said in the 80s, you wouldn't find a black Barbie. True. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's definitely improvement, but we're not at a stage of equality just yet. Yeah. Definitely. yeah no do, do, do your children ask you about the color of your skin yes yes so can we can we talk about that my daughter um the first time she said it was um she said mummy's pink <laughs> and <"Mummy's> brown <laughs> mummy's um, pink daddy's brown and so just put some context she's three yeah. and four yes and, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and two at the time and um, anyway, then she went through a stage with her hair. She kept looking at my hair and saying, I want down hair. I don't want my hair to be up. I want down hair, make my hair down. So we talk a bit about um, why she had curly hair. And sometimes she'd go off to nursery and I'd have her afro out. And by the time she came home from nursery, she'd had a, she had a hairband in it where she'd asked the teacher to like tie it back for mm-hmm. her so we had a long chat with her nursery teachers and so they had a, a set day where they talked about why people look different and all the rest of it with the rest of her classmates um and now she's three and a half and she says you know my daddy's black my mommy's white I'm brown and I actually I've got a lovely video of her and she's looking at her skin and she says I love my brown skin <laughs> I know it's beautiful. I mean, we still have we still haven't quite moved past the hair issue yet. That still is an issue for her. And yeah, I mean, when I was talking about representation, and yes, things are, but there's still no Disney princess with an afro yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that before we started recording, actually. Um, and then I was even thinking about like Princess and the Frog, and but it's it's different because it's almost covered with a crap. Like you can't really see it as yeah yeah that's interesting disney disney come on (laughs) (laughs) i feel like children want to be the same as their friends don't they they want they want to be the same as their friends i mean even Gigi at the moment like she wants hair like her best friend like every single day and i can get her to do anything like oh well win would wear this oh win would have her hair in the (laughs) win would do this and i guess it's it it's one of those, you know, it's like a struggle, as, as like you say, as you're trying to find yourself as a child and mm. you need people around you who almost, re- yeah, they represent you so that you feel mm. like you, you know, that you, you fit in. You fit in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's what you want when you're younger. And then maybe when you're a teen, you don't want to fit in. <laughs> uh, Ogo, how important is it for you to talk to your your kids about your heritage and where you're from and and those sort of conversations in the home? Um, I think it's extremely important for me. So when you were talking about the hair, you know, sort of that brought back uh, memories of when I was really young, when I was about four. I remember being in the bath trying to slick my hair back so I can look like a kid in my class Luke one of my best friends at the time and um you know that's fine you know wanting to you know sort of emulate you know wanting to fit into a degree but I think what I don't want is to have a situation where we feel that we are not enough and um I listened to a really interesting lady called Marissa Peer and one of the affirmations she gets people to say all the time is I am enough <laughs> you know and I just want my daughter to know she's enough. That's why we set up our business. That's why we do everything we do. I just want her to know she's enough. I mean, um, 
We also have, we gave our children Ibo names as well. They all have Ibo names. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Just as a connection to their heritage, basically. And um, I mean, the names have such beautiful meanings. Our daughter Chia Soka uh, means my soul is sweet. Um, mm. Kalu, our son, means <laughs> young king, also means God of Thunder, which he is most days. <laughs> 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 and along will be called Zirachi, and that means um, ask your higher self, and it will be given. I mean, that's just such beautiful, beautiful name. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. yeah, absolutely. So, tell us a little bit about you know why you started your business and and your business. As I said, I, I grew up not necessarily feeling that I fitted in and not feeling enough, etc. And then I learned about my African heritage, you know, when I was older. And I, when my daughter was born, being mixed heritage, I feel we live in England. Her mother's English. She speaks English every day. Everything around her is English. So I think she's going to be pretty connected or she is already very connected to, to her Englishness. But I didn't want, whilst that was happening, for her to lose this half of her heritage. And I, You know, um, I'm very grateful to my mother that I... I'm connected to my heritage. I wasn't necessarily grateful when I'm with <laughs> a kid, but I, I am very much now. And um, that's why we really started the business. We started the business so that she can have these loud, colourful, bright patterns. And with African clothing, they often tell stories. Mm. And, you know, we wanted these things which, w- whatever happens, you know, when she's wearing these, she feels something. She feels hopefully a connection to her ancestors, hopefully a connection to, you know, the, the, the land of Africa. Um, and it gives her maybe a curiosity to, to explore and study and learn more about it, really. Yeah. So African prints, as Ogo said, they tell stories through the symbols. So we created a print that carries the um, affirmations. I am loved. I am courageous. I celebrate colour. And that was a message to not just empower our children, but empower all children and to promote a message of self-love and confidence and inclusivity. And yeah, we came at it from different angles, whereas, you know, Ogo is very passionate about ensuring his children grow up with, you know, unlimited self-belief. For me as well, I see the, um, you know, as a white person, I want to encourage all parents to have conversations with their children about race um yeah so it's kind of two different angles that we come on it from me kind of trying to do some work proactively as a white person and Ogo is really focusing on the empowering the new generation message oh gosh you've done it so beautifully today I'm we're both so grateful to you to you for having this conversation in such an open and wonderful way so thank you and I know that loads of people listening will will have some amazing takeaways from it so keep doing what you're doing uh, where can we buy Aqua Baby uh, online aquababy.com A-K-W-A in Ogo's language that means cloth okay brilliant well I'm um, going I know where I'm heading after this podcast so thank you both <laughs> thank you so much guys <laughs> thank, thank you very you. much really appreciate your time so wonderful aren't they what an amazing <sighs> couple yeah 
absolutely brilliant. I'm so I'm so glad that we had that chat. Um, yeah. And, and as with most, you know, most of the guests that we come on, I always do take something away from it. But particularly with that one, um, definitely, I'm, I need to speak to Axel School to find out if you know that they did have Black History Month this month in the school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, just just keep the conversations going, and just I guess keep keep the dialogue going with Axel and Gigi. Um, it's, it's all we can do, really. Like as parents. Yeah, and look, 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 I've got a daughter, Luna, who's who's so interested in in the colour of skin and, you know, people's heritage and where they're from. And, you know, we talk about, you know, she, she asks me every single night, like, uh, what do Chinese people eat? And yeah. what do French people eat? And she's really interested by different cultures and where people come from and their heritage and stuff. So it's definitely a conversation that we really have in the house. And I try to have a lot um, of conversations with her, lots of chats with her about it. And so as the kids get a little bit older, it will definitely be something that we encourage and home so yeah hopefully you took something out that podcast as well um those of you that are listening and as always we would love you to rate review subscribe and follow the podcast and if you could give us um a five star that would be lovely yes and any guests you'd like to hear from then please do just send your suggestions over via dm we're on at made by mummers on instagram and we will be back on friday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the wonderful Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.